This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. For the week of October 3rd, 2019, the new podcast is up and running, and I thank you guys for subscribing and listening and downloading wherever you do it around the world. Thank you for checking out the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It is greatly appreciated, bringing you great rock interviews each and every week, interviews that originate on my Sirius XM show, Trunk Nation, which is heard on Channel 106, Volume live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, and a new replay time for that show. Our nightly replay has been pushed back an hour, so if you listen on the rebroadcast, it is now 10 to midnight Eastern, 7 to 9 Pacific for the rebroadcast every night for the volume show. And, of course, you can listen to full shows and interviews on demand on the SiriusXM app. Here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, you get a tiny, tiny little sample of what I do on a daily basis on Sirius XM for my daily Trunk Nation radio show. So if you live in the U.S. or Canada and you are not a Sirius XM subscriber and you enjoy listening, I urge you to come on board for a very, very small monthly fee when you consider how much entertainment you will get. You can even get a trial subscription and check it out and sample it. We have a great time doing Trunk Nation each and every day with uh, commentary and talk and discussion and, of course, interviews. The interviews you hear on this show each week are just a, a tiny tiny little sample of what I'm doing on a daily basis. Just got back from L.A., had a great week in L.A. last week, interviewing a ton of different people from the new Sirius XM studios there, some of which I will bring to you in the coming weeks here on the podcast schedule permitting. But a really cool new facility in Los Angeles for SiriusXM. It was great to break in the new performance space. Did a really cool special with Joe Elliott for two hours, which was a week ago Wednesday. There's audio and video of that coming. The audio, of course, aired live, and the video has been shot professionally. So 
lot of great stuff coming out of L.A. It's great to go there every month. Starting this month in October, uh, when I set the date to go back there again, we will once again be resuming our broadcast from the Rainbow, live and open to the public there on the patio. But for this month, or last month, I should say, of September, something a little different with that brand-new studio there in Los Angeles. They wanted me to feature that, so that's where I worked from last week. As usual, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. All of my appearances are on the homepage. Hope you come out and see me. I was supposed to be at uh, Sammy Hagar's High Tide Beach Party last weekend. By now you know that festival was canceled. We are seeing some red flags show up on a lot of festivals, unfortunately, folks. There are... The argument could be made there are way too many right now, and not all of them are going to succeed, and it really sucks when they get canceled, as Sammy's did about a week prior to it happening. We're still waiting for more information about exactly what happened there, but it was a big inconvenience and loss to a lot of people, myself included. Only upside was I got home a couple days earlier than expected, got to watch my Giants and a little football over the weekend, so that was nice, but still really sucked to have lost that event. However. The good news is there's always more stuff coming up, and my schedule is uh, still very, very jammed almost right up until the holidays, and I'm going to tell you about it because the podcast this week and our two guests, Miles Kennedy of Alter Bridge and Slash's Band and Ricky Medlock of Leonard Skinner both tie into my next appearance. So very convenient timing for this, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But before we get into it, I also want to talk about Van Halen for a second as well. Normally on the podcast, I'm just doing the setup and getting you to the interviews. But this week, it's such a big deal right now. I want to give you a little something on Van Halen. And again, if you listen to me on SiriusXM, you know it is almost a daily talking point with the audience, with news coming out seemingly every day about what's going on with David Lee Roth and all that. For those that do not or cannot listen to me every day on SiriusXM, I'll give you a a very, very brief take on something we've been breaking down just about every single day on the radio because it's of great interest, especially to those folks in the U.S. who are rock fans where Van Halen is just as highly regarded as any band you could ever think of. We'll get to that in a second and, of course, our interviews. But first, I do want to take a second to tell you about a product I truly, truly do enjoy. Anybody that knows me knows that my two favorite beverages by far are unsweetened iced tea or just good old spring water. The bulk of what I drink is spring water. I love it. I drink a ton of water on a daily basis. And recently, I discovered a very interesting named spring water called Liquid Death. Now, that on the surface may not sound like something you want to drink, The idea is liquid death murders your thirst. You get it? It puts your thirst to death. Nothing else. The rest is all good for you. It's actually really good spring water from the mountains, and it's rich with natural electrolytes and minerals. It's really great spring water. just has a funny name. Now, here's what else is really cool about liquid death water. It comes in a freezing cold can. It's a large can, and it's I don't know of any other spring water that's in a can versus plastic. We all know there is a ton of plastic 
out there in the oceans, and it's got to be stopped. A lot of people, unfortunately, do not recycle. Well, here's what's cool about liquid death. They're also putting a death to plastic because aluminum cans, which is how this water is delivered, are way more recyclable. Of all the aluminum produced since 1988, 1888, yeah, 100 years ago, 75% of it is still in current use. Plastic is not actually recyclable anymore because most of the recycling plants send plastic straight to a landfill because it costs too much to recycle. And there's no one who will buy recycled plastic. So there's a big environmental issue here, which is why liquid death is also really cool. And the water coming in a can, it stays cold much, much longer. And I like my water cold. I know there's some people that drink at room temperature, a lot of spring water. I, I Call me crazy. I like water cold. So liquid death checks all the boxes. It's great water, environmentally friendly, in an aluminum can, super recyclable, and it also keeps it cold and fresh and crisp. Liquid Death donates five cents from every can sold to help clean up plastic pollution and bring clean drinking water to those in need. So here's the deal. You want to try Liquid Death water? This is the way to do it. It's only available in a handful of stores, so you have to order it online. Go to liquiddeath.com slash trunk. They're offering listeners an exclusive deal to get $2 off every case. Liquid Death, L-I-Q-U-I-D, just like the word, death, D-E-A-T-H, just like that word, liquiddeath.com slash my last name, Trunk. Or better yet, you can click the option to literally sell your soul on the website in exchange for a free case. Yes, you can actually sign a real soul contract. It's legally binding for eternity. Liquiddeath.com slash trunk. Go there. Check out this really cool, revolutionary, environmentally friendly way to enjoy delicious, healthy water. Okay. So, real quick on Van Halen, because it's such a topic, like I said, every day on the volume show. Here's my take in a nutshell, David Lee Roth is now unleashed, if you will. I believe that he's been laying low, and this is just my analysis. I don't have any real inside information here, but I do believe he's been laying low in hopes that Van Halen would do something. I think by David Lee Roth's actions and interviews and things he is now saying, it is completely obvious to anyone that he is now off the reservation and now taking ownership of Van Halen's music. If I mean, all you got to do is read what he's saying. I'm now the face of Van Halen. If you're going to want to hear this music, yada, yada, yada. So all that tells us, just the, even if he wasn't out there talking the way he is in interviews, he would never be doing interviews, and he would never be doing shows announced in January with a solo band if there was any potential for Van Halen to do anything. So I think, and I do agree, another statement Roth made, Van Halen seems to be finished. So, And I believe all of that to be true from what I've been hearing for a long time. Why Van Halen is finished, a lot of indicators point to Eddie Van Halen having some health issue. The most recent thing I can tell you is that, and I was stunned by this, and I was made aware of it by my friend Izzy, 
he sent me a link that AJ Benza does a podcast right here on the same network as I do podcast one. I don't know AJ Benza, but he sent me a link to AJ's podcast and AJ who does like a gossip celebrity thing, I guess opens his podcast saying that he's heard from vet. Now this is the words of AJ Benza, not me, but he said he's heard from very reliable people that Eddie Van Halen is seriously sick. And if you listen to that podcast, I mean, it's crazy because AJ Benza almost eulogizes Eddie Van Halen in that podcast. Now, again, I don't know this guy at all, so I I'm, I can't you know say anything one way or the other for him and his opinions here, but really strong and in a way very disturbing opinions to think that the way he talks about him is almost in a past tense, which is really scary. Now, I have heard that Eddie Van Halen is ill as well. How seriously? And, you know, how, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but how seriously, I we, we just don't know. But what we do know is Van Halen were supposed to do something. They're not. David Lee Roth is now running with his own thing and talking to anybody and basically wiping his hands of Van Halen. And make of it what you will the video that came out from the Van Halen rehearsal. Now, you know, here's what's crazy. It, again, all of this was covered on my Sirius XM show, but I was supposed to go to that rehearsal when I was in L.A. last week. Tom Morello, who's a good friend, was going to bring me as his guest. Then they found out it was me, and they told him I could not attend because I am media, and I they didn't want media there at the event. Why you don't want me there, but then you got a guy that you allowed to post video and audio on Facebook is beyond comprehension. But anyway, a lot was made of that video and a lot of people sort of shit on it, to be honest with you. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Anybody that knows anything and has been watching David Lee Roth for any period of time knows that's what he is now. That's what he sounds like. That's what he looks like. That's how he acts. Should be no surprises there. So it is what it is. It's not going to be Van Halen. It's not going to sound like the record. It never did. But Dave is clearly on a mission to sell his own thing now and has taken the gloves off and is talking and selling and basically taking ownership of his era of Van Halen. For better or worse. And all of this means that, I mean, the only the only thing that, possibly could this could mean if it wasn't Van Halen being done is that Van Halen's coming out with another singer which I seriously doubt so maybe there is something Eddie being sick I truly hope there isn't I truly hope above and beyond anything that he's healthy and gets healthy but nobody knows what's going on and here's what I'm going to say finally on this because we spend so much time on the daily radio show, and I understand not everybody that gets this podcast can hear or does hear the radio show. But it it's really, to me, and look, Van Halen can do anything they want. Van Halen meaning Eddie and Alex, right? They don't know anybody anything. I get that. But when things reach a point of this level of gossip and talk, and you got your 
lead singer out there basically saying your band is finished and all of this stuff that's going on and you've got people talking and saying that Eddie is sick, cancer's back, all this stuff. I do not for the life of me understand what I was calling on the radio earlier this week, the cone of silence. There's a reference for the get smart fans out there that is around this band. Like, why do things need to be so unbelievably stealth? Why, even if they don't want to talk to people, why wouldn't the Van Halen camp at least put out a statement of any kind to tell their fans who love the band so much exactly what's happening so all this speculation can stop? What is the harm in that? Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, why not for once have some transparency because it's it's becoming crazy, and I'm sure there's ripple effects to this too. Roth out there saying now what he's doing. I'm sure that Eddie's son, Wolfgang, would love to put his record out and be able to do tour and do media for it. You know, if he does that, everyone's just going to be asking about all the Van Halen rumor. So what, what, what would be the harm in just being honest and just giving the fans a statement, good, bad, or otherwise, hopefully just, hey, we're not doing anything, or, man, it'll be wonderful. Eddie's 100% healthy. There's nothing wrong with him, whatever. Or if he is sick, hey, he is sick. Respect our privacy. Nothing's happening. I think every fan would understand that and respect that. But this complete media blackout and not even a statement just leads to all of this noise out there that will continue and only escalate until they finally say something. If and when they ever actually do that. So I I don't know where this all ends up. At the end of the day, I can only hope, like all the fans out there, that Eddie Van Halen is indeed healthy and maybe just not doing anything because remember this here's the other thing i've said too you you can point to this period of inactivity if it is due to some illness okay we get that but you know what the band's done very little in almost a quarter of a century what's the reason for that now again they don't have to do anything if they don't want to but we just have no idea because of the complete lack of any info here's a great example of how it works the other way last week we heard that james hetfield is going back in rehab and metallica had to cancel dates well what was the fan reaction to that what was the reaction to fellow musicians nothing but supportive Everybody completely understood it. Everybody is rooting for James to get healthy. Boom. One press release. Done. Word comes out. Everybody gets it. Everybody's supportive. Everybody's letting the guy go about his business to get healthy again. That was one of the most incredibly transparent things I've ever seen. And props to Metallica for the way they handled that. No smoke and mirrors. No excuses. No misdirection hey one of our guys is struggling 
He's got to go to rehab. We'll let you know when we're ready to resume. That's it. So there's there's the what I'm talking about where just give your fans something. Something. But with Van Halen, it is the eternal cone of silence, and, and it leads to me and everyone else speculating. It leads to the rumor machine going into overdrive. And now we, you know, they have a bigger problem. Their problem is not people like me or AJ or anybody else speculating or engaging in conjecture with their audience. It's now they've got their singer off the reservation <laughs> in terms of just you know, the most clandestine band ever. And their lead singers out there saying, I'm the new face of Van Halen. I'm the future of Van Halen. Eddie's got his own problems. Yeah, I hear Eddie might be sick, but uh, Van Halen's finished. Come see me, David Lee Roth. If anything's going to lead to a statement, you would think it would be that. Crazy, crazy stuff. All right, so to our interviews this week. I mentioned how they tie into my next appearance. My next appearance is next weekend. And that is hosting Exit 111, which is going to be a massive rock festival in Manchester, Tennessee, October 11, 12, 13. And there are so many bands on this thing, such a mixed, incredible lineup of hard rock and metal. And I am supremely honored to be your host for it for the first ever one. And over the course of the last month or so, I've had a member of. The headline, the three headliners in on just about every show. I mean, I've had somebody from all the headlining bands on my radio show. Not intentionally, just how it played out. So on this week's podcast, and I just noticed this, and it's good timing with Exit 111 now, a little over a week away, I've got a member of one of the headlining bands, Leonard Skinnerd, and that's Ricky Medlock. We'll hear from Ricky second and up first, a member of Alter Bridge. And that would be Miles Kennedy, who is their lead singer and one of their guitar players. And of course, also a member of Slash's band and Slash, interestingly enough, are also playing Exit 111 with, of course, Guns N' Roses. So we'll talk to Miles a little bit about the new Alter Bridge album, Walk the Sky. I love Alter Bridge. The new album is about to come out, and uh, Miles and Alter Bridge, part of Exit 111. And second, Ricky Medlock of Leonard Skinnerd talking about Skinnerd and some other stuff, including Blackfoot. Skinnerd, of course, a headliner at Exit 111. Miles Kennedy first, Ricky Medlock of Skinnerd second. Those are your interviews on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast, and they are coming up in a matter of minutes. But one last piece of business before we get to those interviews, and that is to tell you about Pluto TV. They're the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels, thousands of movies on demand, completely free, every one of them. Pluto TV, they never ask for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV, it's the easy, completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? You never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. And you can download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today, including your phone, 
Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Check it out, folks. Pluto TV. We'll be right back, starting with Miles Kennedy, followed by Ricky Medlock of Leonard Skinner to double dip on this week's podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, it's time to turn it up with your new favorite podcast, Expeditiously with T.I. here on Podcast One. Join the rapper, entrepreneur, family man, and activist as he bridges the gap and sheds light on important social topics and much more in an authentic eyebrow-raising dialogue that might make you want to pull out your dictionary. Download new episodes of Expeditiously with T.I. every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you on the Eddie Trunk podcast. As I mentioned, a double dip here coming up a little bit later on. Ricky Medlock of Leonard Skinnerd. Always good to visit with Ricky. But first up, got a phone call from Miles Kennedy of Alter Bridge talking about the new Alter Bridge album, Walk the Sky, their current tour that they are on here in the U.S. And I'll give you a little footnote to this. When you hear the interview, I mentioned to Miles that I was shocked that he was doing an interview with me on a show day. The The day we did this interview was, was the uh, first day of the tour because Miles is so protective of his voice, he doesn't even like to talk or do interviews on show days. So you'll hear me talk about that with Miles. But the really crazy thing that happened was about a week after this interview took place, Miles and Alter Bridge were playing in Philadelphia, and he lost his voice which had never happened to him before. And he sent me a text and said, well, I guess you jinxed me because I lost my voice tonight in Philadelphia. He was joking, of course. And what I didn't know is I heard from some people who were at that show, and he actually said to the audience from the stage, uh, I just told Eddie Trunk I never lose my voice, and now I just lost my voice. So great guy, good friend, and I love his music. Here's Miles Kennedy, first up on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Miles, Eddie, how, you doing, how are you? That's quite a you know quite an introduction. How, how well, you know that Jesus. <laughs> well, you are the hardest working man, I'll tell you. But before we get to that, I got to tell you, I said to my audience before I put you on, I said uh, I'm actually supremely honored that you are doing this interview today because I looked at your tour dates and I see your tour kicks off tonight, and tonight's a show night, and I'm like. Miles doesn't even like to talk on show days, let alone do interviews. So I feel tremendously you honored. Anything. What's that? For you anything. For you anything, Eddie. Well, I just, if you have a bad night tonight, I don't want to be the catalyst for it. That's all. Well, I'll be sure to reach out to you right after the show if that's the case. <laughs> you don't have bad nights, do you, Miles? Sure. Sure, I do. I mean, you know, it's something like it just doesn't do it. The voice just doesn't do what I tell it to. And, and you know, you never know. But uh, fingers crossed. In all your years of touring and singing live, do you, can you recall like a worst experience? Like what? Like if you had like you were sick or something was going on or just like your worst night on stage. Do you have a memory that jumps out at you? Um, you know what? Um, it's usually getting sick. I mean, that's the curse of any singer who tours a lot. Uh, it was, it was in, um, it was somewhere in the UK about 
I want to say eight or nine years ago at Slash, and I caught some really nasty thing um, when we were doing some of the festivals, and we had a one-off show, and I want to say it was in Ireland, if I'm not mistaken, and I got on stage, and my voice literally just said, I'm not giving you anything. I mean, there was nothing there, but it ended up being really cool because the, the crowd took over and they sang every song. And so it turned out to be like one of the funnest shows I can remember doing just because the crowd was so cool. Yeah. And well, fortunately you haven't had an eye a retina detachment in the slash band yet. <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> not yet. I think that uh, the prerequisite is to a play in Slash's band B be from Canada so it seems like anybody who's in the band, both Brent Todd, who are Canadians, have had this strange detached retina thing, which is, I mean, what are the odds of that, right? It's crazy. I know. I had Slash was on with me like a week ago on the show, and we were talking about that. And I was, I, thankfully, they're both okay. I was in touch with Brent and everything. I just said, it must be a Canadian thing, something like Canadians in your band, their eyeballs fall out, they're headbanging too much. I don't know what's going on. Could be the headbanging. That's what I think. Those guys, uh, you know, they flip the hair around pretty good. So maybe that's the, maybe that's what's going on. Exactly. Well, the tour for Alter Bridge kicks off uh, tonight in Raleigh. You've got Skillet and a great young band that I've had on this show, Dirty Honey, out there opening. And tonight it all starts. I mean, you you're, the, the Slash stuff just wrapped up, and you probably had, what, four or five days off, and now you're right back into AB land, huh? Yeah, I, I believe it or not, I had a full just over two weeks off. So that was, uh, that oh. was pretty awesome. I mean, this this is a pretty dense year. I mean, I think I'm I'm, I'm gone over 300 days this year. But uh, it was nice to have that that window to kind of power down, pack in Spokane, and catch my breath. But uh, now I'm back in the thick of it. Beyond spending time with your wife in those those two weeks and just getting some some home time, is there anything like you really look forward to and that you did in those two weeks uh, that maybe you're only two weeks of the year you're actually home? Is there is there something that you really love doing that you're, when you're finally home for that period of time? Do you do you write and still play or do you totally disconnect from music? No, usually the first. In fact, within I usually tell myself, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a few days off and just chill and you know, work in the yard or something. And I, I woke up the next, because we got in really late the, the Saturday night and that I woke up that Sunday and I literally went and grabbed my guitar and was playing <laughs> guitar all day. I just couldn't, I couldn't tear myself away. So it's a, it's a problem. It's an addiction. What can I say? Well, you know, that's, you love to, you're doing what you love and the output is always so good. So why not? And that amazing output continues with the new Alter Bridge album, which is called Walk the Sky. Hard to believe, man, the sixth album coming out on October 18th. And I've had a chance to listen to it and you guys are on a hell of a run here. This is a, this is now, I think this is, this feels, this album feels to me a little different than the previous couple. And I've got a theory on one thing that I want to hit you with about it, but uh, tell me about making this record and when the hell did you have the time to do it? Because you went from your solo record right into Slash, right into this. So where did you and Mark get together to make this record? Well, I think that was the key. We actually couldn't actually get together to make the record. So we both had to write um, and demo separately which was uh, a new process for this band. But uh, I feel like it worked. I feel like it kind of helped define what the record would end up becoming. Uh, as far as when there was time to even do that, um, 
there's a, a lot of hotel rooms backstage, you know, with technology now, it's amazing what you can do with a laptop as far as demoing songs. It's come so far, even in the last, you know, 15 years. So, um, so that, that made it, that helped facilitate the process for sure. But, but yeah, Mark and I, I'd say for 80% of the songs, we, we came in with, with, uh, separate songs pretty much fleshed out. And then there was another 20% that, uh, we kind of utilized the old process when we actually got in and started doing pre-production to, uh, as a band uh, that some of those songs ended up blossoming at the very end. Do you guys have a conversation like before you each individually or collectively start writing for Alter Bridges to like sort of a direction or you just start coming up with the material and see what's coming out of you, both of you, and then just figure it out as you go? Or is there sort of an idea in mind before you start to write? Uh, usually we just kind of let it happen, but I, I, I will say that we had a conversation early on where we both fortunately were on the same page, wanting to integrate a certain amount of, um, textures that we hadn't utilized on, on previous records. Um, I, I think the, you know, the, um, there's, there's something happening, uh, in, in music right now. And I think a lot of that uh, is due to what's happening with with shows on like Netflix, like Stranger Things, and uh, things like that, which are going back to a lot of the the '80s vibe. And I think it's kind of bringing um, these these uh, these ideas that haven't been used in a while, at least for at least for for us. You know, let's let's go back and dig into some like John Hughes or not John Hughes. The John Carpenter films, uh, listen to those soundtracks and, and, and get some of those spooky synth vibes and see how that sounds uh, in, 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 in terms of throwing it in the mix with heavy guitars. And um, so that was kind of a sonic experiment. Um, and uh, it ended up working, I think. I think it, was, it could have gone horribly wrong um, just because um, key, oftentimes keyboards and electric guitars, that's, that's something you're supposed to separate, especially in the hard rock genre. But uh, we felt like if if we kept it vibey and not uh, overpowering the mix, where it wasn't just turning into a um, you know a synth pop record, that was the last thing we wanted to do. But just tuck it in the mix just right. Well, here's my theory, and you tell me if I'm off base on this. In listening to the record, one of the first things that jumped out at me about that is the fact that. For people that don't know, you guys not too long ago put out a great live record slash DVD that you did with an orchestra. And when I hear some stuff on this record, to me, it sounds like that experience of playing with an orchestra at the Royal Albert Hall had a little bit of an influence on this studio record. Am I off base on that? Or would you say that's accurate? Boy, I don't know. I don't know if we were intentional in that respect. It may have just it may have just happened. Um, I think where I'm going, where I'm going is like a track, like Godspeed, like jumps out to me uh as something that would just sound like it would make so much sense. If you were playing it with that orchestra at the Royal Albert hall, there was just, I just, I, and I just was wondering if there was a rub off from that, or I'm just, you know, putting that together in my own head. Maybe, maybe not intentionally. Maybe it was like, uh, the seed was planted when we did that. And it just, uh, you know, somehow influenced the process. I, speaking for myself, I think it, it, it fell more into the, um, the first thing that I was talking about, uh, where it was experimenting with these different textures, um, especially, I keep going back to 
John Carpenter films and not with all songs, you know, like the first single that we released had nothing to do with any of that, but, but you could definitely take a song like Godspeed uh, in terms of the synth vibe, the, um, there's a song called Pain No Mind, uh, Clear Horizon uh, on the record, which, which we tried to incorporate that. But, but I do agree that you, if you were to take Godspeed and do a, 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 an arrangement with the symphony, it would sound really cool. So hopefully we'll be able to do that in the future. Yeah, I mean that for people who haven't seen that or missed out on that when that came out, which I I guess was like a year or so ago. I mean, it's the video aspect of it, the audio. I usually don't like when hard rock bands play with orchestras, but the way you guys did it, and like you said before about what you did with this record, the way you it didn't overpower, it sort of meshed and you tucked it in just the right way. That made all the difference in the world to me with the way you did it at the Royal Albert Hall. I thought it was awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. I know that was a great experience for you. I know you guys really enjoyed doing that too. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, I think, I think that um, when you get to stand in front of a, an orchestra like that and hear their power and, and what they bring to the arrangements, um, it's, it's pretty intense. I mean, it's pretty, um, it, it really takes the songs and elevates them to a, to a new level for sure. So you, as I mentioned, this is the hard to believe already the sixth Alter Bridge record, which is a pretty good amount of input uh, output, rather considering all the other stuff you do, and of course Mark has his own other thing with Tremonti. So now that you've got six records out and you have a a base of songs that I'm sure me and a lot of other Alter Bridge fans were like, those are mandatory, have to be in the set. What are you guys like? How long are you playing? <laughs> how are you figuring out the set list? Because I'm sure you want to feature stuff from the new record. And then, of course, I, I, the last few records are so powerful. And then people love the early stuff so much. So now you're getting to that point where I'm, I'm sure it's a good problem to have, but you got a lot of great songs. You got some standards, more or less, that have to be in there. How you work in the set list? I think this tour is going to be the, the one that's most challenging. In that respect, I mean, it's funny because 15 years ago when we first started touring together, you know, we were actually having to play covers just to round out the set. And and now that you know, we've got six sec- six records to draw from, it is challenging because fans have their favorites, we have our favorites. Um, so you you want to make sure that you incorporate kind of the hallmarks of your set uh, and of, of your catalog, but but at the same time. You know, putting it, putting in a few that might surprise the fans and and keep it interesting for you as a, as a as a player. So yeah, it's a delicate dance, and I think these first few the first few shows are going to be kind of a a challenge. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll we'll hear about it. You know, you know the beauty of social media and whatnot. Is people can make their um, opinions known if there's a song that's not in there. They're really disappointed and, and want to hear. So. So we'll uh, we'll get it figured out. I'm sure by the time we're, we're at this for about two weeks, we'll have a good set list set up. Now, usually in the bands I've talked to, the singer ends up having veto power and makes the ultimate call because he's got to sing the stuff. In this case, of course, that would be you. So is it like everybody throws some ideas in? Is it just you and Mark sitting down? And then at the end of the day, you put a marker through this and that? Like, what's the actual process? When do you actually sit down and, and do it? And do you do you guys change a lot of stuff throughout the course of a tour? Yeah, it, it tends to change. And as far as who does it, um, it, that changes nightly. I mean, there, there were nights on the, on the, la- on the uh, last run we did a few years ago where, 
you know, we just turn over our base pair and <laughs> put something together. And, and other, other, other nights, Mark and I would do something. Um, and yeah, if, if we're deep enough in a tour as a singer and my voice is starting to get kind of ragged, I'll, I'll, I might have to take out the Sharpie and cross something out and replace it with something else. It's a little easier, but it, it, it depends. Um, it really, uh, we, tr- we try to make it something that um, fluctuates just enough to keep it interesting for everybody. Now, you, the record's not really out for the public for almost another month, and you did release a couple songs. So starting out, during the during the bulk of the U.S. run, of course, uh, at least uh, for this tour, the record won't be available to the public until like your last two or three dates, actually, of this run. So how much of Walk the Sky are you putting in, just the songs you've released? Or are you going to go deeper into it on the live set? No, I think at this point it'll be the songs we've re- we've released. So it will be, um, you know, in, in the deep. Um, Wouldn't you rather take the crown? Um, it'll just come pain of mind. Uh, it, it's difficult when you start throwing, throwing songs out that people haven't heard yet, and especially if you have a, a, a catalog of six albums to pull from. You know, it's you, like like I said, you want to make sure that the fans are satiated and get, they get the songs that they're familiar with and and, and come to hear. So it's it's. Uh, I think we're going to just stick with the, the familiar ones at this point from the from the new record, uh, the ones we started releasing a few months ago, and then we'll take from there once the record comes out on the 18th of uh, October. You know, it's crazy because we had this thing going for a while where every time that I would be either home and you guys were coming here to play, I'd leave or I'd be in the city and just miss you. And I'm telling you that I'm happy to report that trend is continuing because you're playing New York on September 24th. And tonight I leave for the West coast for a week and a half. It's unbelievable. And then I remember I was in LA like six months ago and I got into my hotel and I'm like, I wonder if anything's going on and it got to be around 11 o'clock. And then I see on social media, Miles Kennedy solo at the Troubadour. And I remember I texted you, I was like a block away with nothing to do. I'm like, this is crazy. It's like the constant ships passing thing. So I'm going to miss you in New York, but I'm hosting that exit 111 festival in Tennessee, which is a huge three day event. And you guys are playing on October 13th. So I'm, I'm excited to know I'll at least catch you at that. And I don't know if you've looked at that lineup, but it is insane. It's going to be incredible. And you guys are on the same day as Guns N' Roses that that close. So that's you get to if you awesome. don't spend enough time with Slash, you'll get to see him again. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we're looking forward to that one. That's going to be a that's going to be a really big one. That that festival Miles has the distinction of it's not the day you were you're there, but I think it's the opening day. One of the coolest things I've ever seen on the same stage, back to back. And I guess you probably see a lot of this because you tour around the world. I know it's more common in Europe. But one of the days of that festival, the main stage, it's it's Slayer followed by Leonard Skinner. Wow, that's awesome. I'm thinking uh, Carrie King comes out and jams Freebird at the end. I'm trying to orchestrate that. Right. Why not? Why not? I, you know, we did a festival this summer, uh, the uh, Hellfest in in uh, France, and it was the, if I'm not mistaken, it was Skinnered into Lamb of God, which was pretty awesome. I had Ricky Medlock on the show last week or two weeks ago, and we were talking about that, and he said, "Yeah, he goes that stuff like that happens all the time when we play. Skinnered is just one of those bands that whether you're into metal or rock or hard rock or southern or." Whatever they just they just work. Everybody loves Skinner. Yeah, yeah, they they, they are. They they've got that that X factor that we all love for sure. 
So you've got the the tour for Alter Bridge kicks off tonight, September 19th in Raleigh. You're at the Ritz tonight. Those dates continue. Uh, Last two shows of the U.S. run at this point are in Orlando, which I know is home base for the other guys um, in the band. And that's two nights at the House of Blues, October 24 and 25. Are those two shows in Orlando, are they sort of like release parties, like sort of ending there because that's where everybody else is based? You know, I think, yeah, I think that just, we just would usually try to wrap up U.S. tours in either Orlando where the guys live or in Spokane where I live. So it just uh, <laughs> makes it makes it a little easier um, to get everybody home. But, uh, yeah, we actually did the official release, you know, the record release party a couple nights ago um, in Orlando. And that was a lot of fun, you know, played the record for a diehard group of fans and then did a few songs. But by that point, by the 24th or 25th, yeah, we'll just be coming off, you know, a six week run here and just winding down, getting ready to head, head over to Europe, um, a few weeks later with, um, with, with shine down seven dust, uh, and a few other friends. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be a, a good year of touring for Alter Bridge. The other Raven Age in Europe as well, which is Steve Harris's yeah. son, is in that band. I just saw them opening for Maiden, and they got a lot of uh, great response there. So, and you, you know, I've told I've told people this before. The band in Europe, it's amazing what goes on with Alter Bridge because you're in arenas there. I mean, you are a full on arena headline in Europe, and that's that's got to feel incredible. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it's a totally different um, different beast in the sense that you know we have we have to view production differently and and uh things like that but um you know here in the states um it's it's growing slowly but surely and we just keep uh you know keep coming back as long as people come to the shows you know so um yeah europe but europe is kind of ground zero for us i guess for what for whatever reason um we graduated to arenas a few years ago there and have been able to maintain it and so yeah we look forward to you know taking part of that again and what's next year looking like? Because you got nothing announced yet for next year, but is it going to be more more Alter Bridge, or I mean, you going to just is it the the dance between Alter Bridge and Slash going to continue? You're going to work another solo record in? Have you thought about that, or is that planned yet? Yeah, nothing's planned. Uh, I think that I know that Alter Bridge has uh, a lot of things in the works for next year, so I think it'll be more of you know, getting out and, and touring Walk the Sky and. Uh, and so that'll, I'm sure that'll take us deep into the year, and then we'll, we'll see what happens after that. Well, listen, man, have a great show. Say hi to all the guys, and I'm going to definitely. I want to, even though I'm going to see you at Exit 111, I want to try to get out to one of the, the you know, the headline shows here because I, I'm sure that'll be a longer set. And uh, you know, love the record, love the band. Can't wait to see you do it. And uh, everybody, check out Walk the Sky, which is out on October 18th. You can do the pre-order now if you want, and the tour dates, of course, are all on the band's website, kicking off in North Carolina, and for now, ending October 25th in Orlando for the U.S. portion, which also includes uh, Dirty Honey opening up along with Skillet as the direct support. Miles, safe travels, my friend. Hit me up if you need anything. Say hi to everybody, and I'll see you soon. Thanks, brother. It's great to talk with you. You too, man. Take care. Well, thanks to Miles Kennedy. Always great to visit with him. The new Alter Bridge album, Walk the Sky, coming out very soon, and I'll be seeing them at Exit 111. 
We'll come back and get into it with Ricky Medlock of Leonard Skinner also headlining one of the days at Exit 111 right after this. Football season is here, and it's time to dominate the competition with your fantasy picks. And R.J. Bell's Dream Preview on Podcast One Sportsnet is your secret weapon to victory. I said the fact they didn't run it up in week one tells me this guy is so confident he wants to hide his strength. No matter the matchup, R.J.'s got you handled with top-notch analysis for the best NFL picks around. Now, is that true or not? I don't know. Very optimistic. Download R.J. Bell's Dream Preview every week on Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com. Welcome back to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Ricky Medlock, always fun to talk to. Blackfoot, such a great band. Of course, he's been in Skinner now for a long time. I'll be seeing him as well, headlining a day at Exit 111 very soon. Without further ado, let's get to the man right now. Here's Ricky Medlock, our second interview on a huge Eddie Trunk podcast. Enjoy. Ricky, how are you, buddy? Eddie Trunk, how are you, my friend? I'm good. It's been too long. I think last time I saw you, we were on a cruise. I think it was a Labruski cruise or something, and you had just <laughs> rolled out the new version of Blackfoot you were doing. Yeah, man. And as a matter of fact, today... I am in my mix room mixing their brand new uh, their brand new material. I was going to so, ask you about that. So you're still doing that, the same guys? Absolutely. Well, what they've done is is uh, they've got a brand new singer, a guy by the name of Jeff Shields, uh, who's a Florida boy, and this guy is really really good and um, great writer, uh, great singer. Uh, Tim is still there. Seth is still there. Uh, you know, all the same members, all except they've added this singer and. Man, they're they're killing it right now. For Ricky, for people who missed out on what you're you're doing here with this, and you got, the band actually did an original record as well, which I know you had a role in. But tell everybody what you're doing with Blackfoot because your time has been so occupied with Skinner and still is that this was a way for you to keep that band active, and basically you're overseeing a whole new version of the band. That's correct. What I what we ended up doing was is that the idea was brought to us. Uh, by one of our business partners, mine and Al's, one of our business guys, um, by the name of Eric Liebel. And Eric came to us and said, you know, I've got this idea since it's been uh, quite a long time since the original band, you know, was out there and having success and, you know, so forth and so on. So my idea might be, what if we put hand-picked musicians uh, starting with a guy named Tim Rossi, who is a guy that was around here, really a uh, bad-of-the-bone guitar player. Um, and what if we handpick guys and do a whole younger version of Blackfoot and, uh, you know, and, and put them out there, maybe put a new record out on them and put them out there and get this and keep this thing rolling, uh, you know, as far as the, the legacy goes. And uh, the older, the old music, you know, the classic music, but also new music. And I said, I don't know about that. You know, I, I'd, I'd have to think about it. So after a, a few days of, you know, mulling it over my head, uh, I got back together. We got back together with uh, with Eric, my manager, and I, and said, you know, as long as I can produce the record and, and you know, because it's the brand name I own. And I said, as long as I can produce the records and have a hand at uh, maybe writing in the band, appearing on the record, so forth and so on, um, I'll be willing to give it a try. 
Well, that's been seven years ago. And, uh, you know, a few changes have happened here and there. But still, they're out on the road. They're playing. Uh, they're gaining fans all the time. And uh, right now, like I said, I'm in working, mixing uh, their latest uh, effort. And they got some killer songs uh, right now that's kind of a mix of of uh, maybe what you say classic sounding stuff, but yet up-to-date heavy rock. Uh, and I'm telling you, man, I, I can't wait for you to hear it. It's really good. Was the idea to try to do this inspired by, I mean, we've seen a lot of bands now over history that have done this or tried to do this. You know, you've got bands out there with like, you know, a fog hat, for example, which just the drummer, unfortunately, because some of the other guys have passed away. Notoriously foreigner has been doing tremendous business now for years. Most of the shows Mick Jones does not play, meaning that's no original members did you look right. at situations like that did you look at you know gene and paul put two guys to impersonate ace and peter they're they're pulling it off did you look at stuff like that to say hey i can i think i got a shot at doing this well like i said this started over seven years ago tending toward probably eight years ago and at the time what i had heard um i hadn't heard it about farner uh, but what I had heard, I had heard that Gene and Paul at some point was going to put ringers in, uh, kiss, you know, in their place. Replace themselves, let, right. That's the, it, the, like like the whole band will, is going to – that's still something that's come up here and there after this farewell thing, that they're actually going to replace themselves and put a version of Kiss out that they just kind of oversee. Right, right. And so that got me to thinking – you know, when, when Eric hit me with this idea and it got me to thinking, you know, why not have, you know, uh, younger guys out there playing the songs that are into the songs themselves? I mean, we got guys that were into the band uh, originally. I mean, as younger guys, they always heard it. They never got to see the original band, but they loved the records and they had seen the YouTube stuff. And really liked, you know, what the band was doing back then. So we got them in there and they got into it so well uh, that they took the influence and just created their own thing along with me in there uh, directing stuff and producing it. And I'm telling you, it's uh, it's working. Um, I admire. I really do. I got a chance to talk to Mick Jones uh, briefly here a couple of years ago. And uh, Mick, of course, and the the band's being managed by a great friend of mine that used to be uh, the president of Atlantic over in England. Phil Carson, yeah. And, yeah, and Phil and I have been friends for many, many years. In fact, if it wasn't for Phil, uh, Blackfoot wouldn't have done what they did in Europe. And, and he really directed a lot of stuff and caused the band to really break huge over there. So... Um, I, I took a kind of a page listening to Mick talk about it. And of course, Mick comes out every once in a while and plays with a guy as well as I do. And, uh, I find it to be a great venture and something very creative. I mean, you just, it's got to go on with time. Time will leave, you know, a band behind and be forgotten 
uh, in history, all, all, although they've got their records out there, and their records won't be there in history, the band live itself won't be there. And so that's what I find exciting is putting the band, they carry on the legacy, they create new, I'm helping them create the new, and uh, here we are today. Let me ask you this, with um, and this ties in with Skinner. Now, uh, and we'll get to some talk about Skinner, of course, in a second, but um, one of the reasons why you went this route doing this is because of how much time Skinner takes from your schedule. Skinner now doing what is essentially a farewell tour, when Skinner ends, whenever that may be, do you see yourself, because sw- you're still in great shape, you still have all your skills, do you see yourself at that point maybe swinging back into a more active role with Blackfoot, maybe being a bigger part of it in terms of on the records and playing live, or do you want to just kind of let this thing go off on its own? Actually, I would like to let this thing go off on its own, and and I'll tell you, here, here's a couple of things. Um, I've been asked many times, you know, would there ever be a chance, you know, for a reunion, uh, you know, with the original guys from Foot? And here's my here's my answer to that is no, because Jack is no longer with us. Uh, Jack passed away seven, eight years ago, and he was my writing partner. Uh, he was the guy that my go-to guy that helped me put everything together, along with the other two guys, of course, but it basically started with Jack and I. Mm. And if Jack were alive, then I might kind of consider doing that once, you know, whatever happens with Skinner, if it's slowed down or, you know, come to a complete stop or whatever. But at this point, I like what's going on right now. I like what's happening. I like being able to go out and appear with the guys, you know, a couple of times a year, you know, three or four times a year, and let it go as that. I want the guys to be able to go out and take the brand name and recreate and make it a, make it what it is this time, except in the future now. Um, they're, they're doing the classic tunes but yet they're also doing the brand new tunes and it's winning. So I'd like to leave it at that. I've got enough to do uh, between now and whenever I've got several projects on tap right now that I'm involved in. And I really can't actually tell you right now what that is because I'm sworn to secrecy, but uh, I I really like at, at what point I'm at in my life. And uh, I'm having a great time. Uh, this Skinner Farewell Tour, uh, that's another story. You know, I, we decided back in at the end of 2017, uh, it was pretty well common knowledge uh, that Gary had been, you know, having some uh, difficulties in his health as far as his heart goes. And we, we came to the reality uh, at the end of the tour in 2017 that Gary just, he just didn't want to do the 65, 70, 80 shows, 100 shows a year anymore. Um, it was a lot. And so we decided, hey, let's announce a farewell tour. And it's a farewell to all the, you know, the heavy touring every year. Um, and what we'll do is, let's make sure that everybody knows that we're going to come through and play 
every venue that the band's ever played and some that we haven't played. And this also included just not the United States because we got flooded with mail from Europe and South America and New Zealand, Australia. Oh, my God, and Canada. Uh, you guys are just going to do this year and end in the United States, and you're not going to come see us. No, that wasn't the case. So we just did one leg of the European tour here a couple of months ago, and we're most likely we're going to do a second leg. Uh, we're probably going to go to New Zealand, Australia, South America, and all over the all over Canada again in the United States, and make sure that we've covered everything. Then at that point, we'll drop back and we'll see what we're we'll see what we're going to do. At that point, I know that we've already started. Uh, Gary, Johnny, and I formed a production team together, and we've already been in the studio and and cut a song to see if how we could work together doing that, and it works great. And uh, probably going to make a new record. Oh wow! And uh, maybe take a year or so off, pop a new record, and then we'll go from there. But uh, it's all kind of up in the air right now. We're just getting through the shows, getting through the dates making sure that we're playing everywhere that we can before, you know, we slow it down. And uh, it's going great right now, man. The crowds are incredible. Um, the runs, you know, it's just you can't – I can't even describe it. It's just – it's a beautiful thing. You came back to start playing – you guys just played, I think, a night or two ago, the first time with Gary coming back after his heart procedure. How, how is right. he feeling? How did that gig go, and, and how how are his spirits? He came in – you know, he came – when he came, got to the airport um, and we were getting our plane um, – <laughs> it was funny. He looked at me, and he, his color was great. He was moving great. He was, I mean, he, he was like the old Gary. And uh, I said, how you doing? How you doing, man? He goes, man, I feel like I need to play. He says, I, I'm, I'm closing to play guitar. And uh, this weekend, man, he was on. He was right on, right on the money. And he and I had a great time playing together. He had a great time uh, playing for the people. And he felt great. So he's uh, he's off and running. Now, everybody knows Gary is the last original member of the band. Technically, you're an original member, too, right? I mean, you were there you were, you were there as a kid, right? Really early on in Skinner. You played percussion or something? Right. I played. I was one of the original drummers of the band. And I came in. Bob actually ended up leaving. And I went in there and cut uh, the early Muscle Shoals sessions and uh, actually even sang on the record, uh, wrote some of the songs on the record. So here was the really funny part about this. After having done all that, and I left the band to go back and start Blackfoot back again. Um, it, it's funny because a lot of people... You know, there's arguments. Well, Ricky was an, uh, an original guy. No, he was an original guy. So when it got down to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they basically said, I was an original guy. And so Johnny and I kind of stood on the sidelines. And when the guys got inducted, I was very proud of them for doing that. I felt like it was time for them to be inducted. 
Ronnie needed to be in there. Alan did, uh, as as was Billy, Billy and Leon and Artie and you know, Ed King and all those guys. So there's always been a big argument about that. But I always considered myself as an original guy because I was there uh, in the original recordings, playing live shows, helping write, uh, even sang songs on the on the record. So you know that's that's my opinion, as well as a lot of people's opinion. But my question would be this: like you just we just talked about Blackfoot and you having a version of the band out there, and how common this is becoming in the music industry. Right. If if we got to the point where Gary said he didn't want to tour anymore, or maybe health wise he couldn't, do you still see Skinner performing beyond that, or once Gary's done, Skinner is done? I think once Gary is done, I believe we will call it a day because I, uh, I mean, I that's coming from me. Now I don't know about anybody else, but I, I don't know. I, I personally can't foresee. Uh, I can't foresee us, uh, I can't foresee myself standing on stage without him standing next to me, him and Johnny, uh, and especially him being one of the guitar players and, and so forth and so on. Now, maybe, uh, maybe they, maybe Gary's even got thoughts in mind and, and different things in mind, like kind of like what I'm doing. Maybe he would want to put somebody in his place, uh, to keep the legacy alive and the music alive and you know, so forth and so on. I don't know. We've never, ever brought this up and discussed it. So all I can say is really is stay tuned and we'll see what happens, you know. Was was it Gary's idea to make this tour and to kind of put some sort of loose ending on Skinner? Was that a whole band thing or was that Gary saying, hey, guys, we got to start to kind of wind it down? Well, like I said when, when at the end of 2017, uh, we knew that Gary was was you know having you know kind of struggling man to keep up with the rigorous you know pace that we were going at. Uh, I mean, when you get to be you know when you're doing 80 to 100 shows a year, and you know you're moving on the buses and you're constantly going, it, it's a it's a haul. It's a it's a real grind. Um, I feel blessed and fortunate that I'm able to keep rolling like that. But, you know, it, it, it takes its toll on just about anybody and everybody. So uh, when we got to the end of 2017, like I said, we came together. We thought it was a really good idea to pull back, announce the farewell tour, the farewell to uh, the bump and grind uh, that the band's been doing for so long. I mean, if you really think about it, over 50 years. So uh, that that's a that's a lot, man. It really is. So I think it was kind of a mutual decision by everybody. It's a good idea, and uh, here we are today. So the idea here, Ricky, sounds pretty ambitious because you guys want to go out and play every venue that you've ever played. Is that the idea? Yeah, that's correct. Um, what we decided to do was, is that we wanted to basically play every venue that we'd ever played. And we wanted to play some that we had not played before. And um, the idea was was to do that, of course, here in the States, but also Canada. 
and we had to make sure that, you know, we wanted to go to Europe, uh, New Zealand, Australia, uh, South America. Uh, so that was the decision, and we knew by saying that, that was going to be a great undertaking because uh, you had to go to all these countries, just not the United States. You had to go everywhere else. Because Skinner, Skinner as a big, and Southern Rock in general, way bigger than I think people in America would realize outside of the U.S., right? Oh, it's huge. I mean, uh, you know, here, here's the thing that's interesting to me. Skinner can go and play. Uh, we just did uh, Hellfest in France. And, you know, you look at it, and Hellfest has, you know, basically all metal bands. Right. That, well, I'm going to go there in a second, but go ahead. <laughs> but you know what? We played Hellfest twice, and the band has gone down monster. Uh, there was a couple of reviews this year uh, that after we had played Hellfest, there was a couple of reviews that said uh, that the band, you know, performed incredibly, and to them, uh, we took the festival. And uh, when you see stuff like that, you know, and you're looking out at an audience that goes probably from 15 to 55 or whatever, you go just, you realize just how much people love those songs, that those songs that the guys created and a little bit myself in there, you know, helping create, you realize just how special those, you know, those songs are and how much they're loved. Um, I I find it extraordinary every night when we're standing there and in the arenas or the amphitheaters and you look out and you even see kids now, you know, their parents are bringing them and, and, you know, they're, they're like, what, eight, nine, 10 years old, 12 years old. They know all the words to the songs. And you just look at that and you go, the music is is you know timeless and it's going to be here a lot longer after i'm gone that's for sure and that's what so, it always comes down to man great songs are great songs and skinnard's got them by the boatload and you've crossed over into so many different demographics and generations it's incredible and along the lines of what you're talking about with hellfest is a festival coming up manchester tennessee uh, October 11, 12, 13, called Exit 111. And when I was first approached about hosting this a few months ago, I looked this over and the guy, the, the promoter came to me with the, the, the list and the rundown of the bands. And I had shared it with some, some people and they're like, that's not real, is it? I mean, is that actually happening? <laughs> because people couldn't believe how many big bands were on it and the diversity amongst rock that's on there. And nothing screams that more than the opening night of this thing, October 11th, Friday night, headlined by you and Skinnerd. And I don't know if you realize this, the band on on your stage just before you is Slayer. I mean, that's amazing well, to me. I think it's incredibly cool. Well, think think about this. This year, <coughs> Slayer and Anthrax was on before us. And they will, Anthrax is on that day too. So the top of that day, 
for on October 11th, the 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 lineup. Black Black Label Society, Killswitch Engage, Anthrax, Seether, Slayer, closing the stage. Leonard Skinner. That's incredible. Now, now that it makes sense to me because great rock is great rock, but to a lot of people, they're like, "Wow!" And I I think it's the coolest thing. Well, we have a song that we're doing in the show this year called Skinner Nation, and Johnny and I in the lyrics sing. Uh, a line there, three generations bold. Now Johnny is already, he'll be on stage and he says, we say three generations bold. He says, hell, I'm looking out and we, we're probably into four generations. Oh, yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah. And what it, what is incredible, uh, I've known Scott, uh, you know, from Anthrax, him and Joey for a while. And Scott, uh, over in uh, where we were doing the festivals. Uh, it was so cool before we did Hellfest, we were all at the hotel. And Scott comes up to me and he says, Ricky, I got to tell you something. He said, you know, we rehearse and rehearse and bands rehearse and, you know, you think you've got it down and it's you're the tightest band in the world that, that nobody can compare. And he goes... Then all of a sudden, you play with Leonard Skinner and you realize you're not tight worth a damn. <laughs> he said, you guys are the tightest band I swear I have ever heard. He said, you know, you guys are so tight, it's just squeaky tight. And, and when you get, a, you know, when you get people coming up to you and saying those kind of things, man, it does you, you know, it does your heart good. You know what I mean? Um you realize all the work that that's gone in and 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 all the pushing and the passion that's gone into it it really comes through and it pays off well you know and and i really appreciated scott <laughs> saying that to me because uh very rarely does somebody come up and say that and notice that but boy he sure did do you do you guys so when you play on bills like this with these metal acts has there ever been any crossover have you ever gone out and jammed with one of them or vice versa is that something you guys are open to doing or 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 are there any stories about these very diverse bills where there's much more extreme band on before or after you that you can share no we we just kind of we just kind of get to the gig we know who's on the gig and uh we just you know we swagger in man and just get ready for our show and just go out and do what we do but I will tell you a kind of an interesting story. Years ago, uh, the original Blackfoot, <laughs> we, were, we were touring with Iron Maiden. And we used to love touring with a lot of the uh, European acts, the heavy guys and, you know, heavy-sounding guys. And I remembered one time myself and Jack, and I believe Greg, we got up and we jammed <laughs> with Iron Maiden and did the ZZ Top song, Tush. Oh, wow. And, and it was heavy duty. And for years, Iron Maiden, they had a tour program that had that, that had us in there in the tour program. <laughs> and uh, it, it was, man, it was like killer. It really was. It was a lot of fun. 
Do you do you have a Ricky? Do you personally have a highlight for you in the? I think it's about twenty twenty five years since you've been a staple in Skinnerd on this whole run. For you, has there been a personal highlight, a show, event, something that happened for you during your your uh, time in the band that really resonates? Well, I, I got to tell you, um, you know, when the band last year headlined uh jacksonville our hometown um we had right at about fifty-seven thousand people at uh the jacksonville jaguars where they play the stadium they play in uh to me when i saw that and when i walked out there and and saw that stadium full of people you know i was like man it it, it just it freaked me to the point where it took me all the way back that when we were young guys and we were basically a garage band in a little in a little place called hell house and little did we know i mean it, it really makes me think about when we were doing that little did we know what we were going to be doing you know almost what 50 years later mm. you know what i mean it, it's like you go in this long tunnel as a young guy and you go through all this stuff and you achieve success and everything. And if you're blessed and fortunate enough, you come out at the other end of the tunnel and able to look back on it. You know what I mean? And, uh, just, I got to tell you that Jacksonville show probably was, um, was probably the biggest to me, uh, one of the biggest highlights. I have several, but one of the biggest, uh, you know, for me, seeing our hometown, you know, like that. And uh, I, I, it's something I won't soon forget at all. And last thing, man, how do you feel? Because you've been doing this a long time, you, you, but you seem to be in great shape. you got great energy. You really take good care of yourself. How do you feel these days? Uh, you still, you're still up for it every time you hit that stage? Dude, I, listen, I... I don't sleep no more than five, maybe six hours a night. And when my feet hit the floor, my better half will tell you, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't know how I do it. I mean, she tells everybody Ricky's feet hits the floor very early in the morning and he is off and gone (laughs) and running and going. And, uh, I like to get up. I take care of business. Uh, I go to the gym. I do an hour, hour or maybe an hour and a half. I get a good meal. Um, I don't like to eat a lot. Uh, I don't do all the, the, the unnecessary things that I used to do. Uh, I left all that behind many, many, many years ago. And you're you're talking to a guy that basically I've got one lung and a really messed up respiratory system called bronchitis, and which is a very a generic form of cystic fibrosis. The one thing that, that, you know, that I do, I go to, go to different, you know, links to keep myself in the best shape and the best health I can. And music is probably my, you know, my zen. Mm. Uh, it keeps me young. It keeps me energetic. It keeps me wanting to achieve other things and go further and further in it. Um, 
I like to think of an interview that I read, um, and it's not a rock and roll guy. It was one of the one of the elder country music guys, Merle Haggard. Mm-hmm. Uh, this girl was interviewing him, and she said to him at the time, "Mr. Haggard, you need, you don't need to go in here and do this all the time." You could probably just go home and, and enjoy your life. She goes, why do you do this? And he goes, because this is what I do. I play music. I'm a balladeer and I sing songs. This is me. This is what I do. And this is what I'll do until the time comes, you know? Well, I look at that, and this is what I'll do, Eddie. This is, I mean, I play guitar, and yeah, I sing, but I love, every time I put that guitar around my neck and step out on the stage, I'm 17 years old again. Yeah. And um, the passion is still there, and the energy is still there, the, the drive and the hunger is definitely still there. So this is what I do, and this is what I'm going to keep doing till whatever day comes, you know? Well, I've said many, many times, and I truly believe it, rock and roll certainly does keep you young, and you are certainly living proof of that along with the rest of the guys in Skinnerd. Listen, man, it's great catching up with you. It's been too long. I look forward to seeing you in Tennessee at Exit 111, if not sooner. Again, that's going down October 11, 12, 13, and uh, Skinnerd headlines night number one on that Friday. And good luck with the rest of the shows. It's good that Gary's back out there. Hopefully he's feeling well, and uh, look forward to catching the show soon okay you got it eddie and listen thanks for all the years of uh the support man we love you and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing you my friend i appreciate it man right back at you i will see you soon you bet thank you bye-bye bye-bye there he goes everybody ricky medlock of uh, both blackfoot and leonard skinnard a little bit of a apologize for that phone uh drifting a little bit but ricky was actually on a boat at the time we were talking to him so that's why we were a little in and out on signal there Great to talk to Ricky, great to talk to Miles Kennedy earlier, and I thank you guys for listening each and every week to my podcast. Thanks to Katie Irizarry for putting it all together. Remember, connect with me on social media, Twitter, where I am most active, Instagram, it's all just at my name, at Eddie Trunk, and be sure to check out eddietrunk.com. There's all my appearances there on the homepage, there's a bunch of music news updated daily that you'll care about. All Access members of the site can get my terrestrial radio show on demand anytime they want. Check it all out on eddytrunk.com. You guys have yourselves a great week, and I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Football season is here, and it's time to dominate the competition with your fantasy picks. And R.J. Bell's Dream Preview on Podcast One Sportsnet is your secret weapon to victory. I said the fact they didn't run it up in week one tells me this guy is so confident he wants to hide his strength. No matter the matchup, R.J.'s got you handled with top-notch analysis for the best NFL picks around. Now, is that true or not? I don't know. Very optimistic. Download R.J. Bell's Dream Preview every week on Apple Podcasts and podcast1.com.